The cancer journey is unique for everyone. It's time to figure out our new normal, and there's no one-size-fits-all manual. Welcome to Unspoken Cancer Truths with Jen Cochran, because surviving is just the beginning. Welcome to episode 66 of Unspoken Cancer Truths. I'm your host, Jen Cochran. Sunday was National Cancer Survivors Day. And I think it's so important that we as cancer survivors really celebrate that survivorship. And I know the word survivor is sometimes challenging for people. um, But survivors are simply people who have lived through an experience and are here to tell the tale. So happy National Cancer Survivors Day for anyone out there who was celebrating on Sunday. One of the most challenging things that I found as I became a survivor, and it's one of the reasons that this podcast began, was there were so many unexpected things that came up. And in my reading and research, I was not really surprised to find that there are several psychosocial challenges that we have that aren't really being addressed depression, anxiety, PTSD is being commonly diagnosed now for caregivers and patients alike. Fear of recurrence and issues returning to work are all really serious things that people are dealing with. Yet, I had a client in the studio this week who was not very happy because they had a couple doctor's appointments this week and they didn't want any more doctors. And I said, what do you mean? You only have three doctors. I have like 10 doctors. I see the cardiologist. I see my oncologist this week. I had a checkup last week. Like I'm listing off all the doctors. Like I got a skin check a few weeks ago. Like these people are all here to help you. Like they're good things. But we get all of those doctors because Our oncologist wants us to be seeing all these people to make sure that we're healthy, but no one is sent giving us the referral for the mental and emotional health side of things. So my guest today is Sue Bo, and she is a leadership alchemist. She specializes in this idea of post-traumatic growth and really growing from our trauma. In the early 80s, the term post-traumatic stress was introduced by the American Psychiatric Association. And a full 15 years later, in 1996, psychologists Dr. Richard Tedeschi and Dr. Lawrence Calhoun coined the term post-traumatic growth. And really, this is showing how trauma can be a catalyst for growth and positive changes. And I see that with cancer survivors a lot. So I'm so happy to have you with me today, Sue, to really dive into this topic and to shine a light on how we can grow and transform from these challenging situations that come up for us. Thank you so much, Jen. It's a real pleasure to be here. And I appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation with you. I'm so excited that we connected and that we were able to do this today. So I would really love to start with this idea of, we talk about mental health and emotional health, and sometimes we use them interchangeably. So I would love for you to um, share what you think the differences are and where they're alike. Sure. I would have to say that the it's a nuanced difference. The, the two terms actually mean a very similar thing, but one has more stigma than the other. So mental health is the term that we generally use for um, conditions and illnesses. Uh, we, we talk about mental health, but we're all we're usually meaning mental illness when we talk about it. And that that brings a, a big stigma stigma along with it. So people tend not to want to admit that they're having any mental issues or mental health issues. Whereas emotional health and emotional wellness, as I often call it, is something that's aspiring and positive. And and it really just has a different uh, connotation for most people. 
And so it seems to be much more amenable to, um, oh, I'm working on my emotional health is something that somebody would readily admit and talk about, but they're not likely to say the same thing about working on their, their mental health. So I use the two interchangeably. And depending on the context, I want to make sure that whatever I'm, the way that I'm speaking is meeting the audience where they are. So I use the two in, in basically interchangeably, and I just adapt and use the term that fits the best with um, with the within the context and the audience that I'm talking to so that it's landing with them in the best way that um, meets them where they are. That's really interesting. And as you were saying that, I realized that most of the items that I talked about are in some ways clinical diagnoses, at least the first few, the depression, the anxiety, the PTSD, those are or can be clinical definitions or clinical diagnoses. So thank you for sharing that. I would love to know what led you to working with people on their trauma healing and emotional wellness. Hmm. Yeah, it does feel somewhat faded and destiny for sure. I think life was uh, conspiring to get me to this point. But I, I'm in a, a second career. I, I was in the corporate world. Um, I have a, a science degree and an MBA and left that uh, when I discovered something called coaching, uh, personal private coaching. And, um, and I got retrained um, almost 20 years ago and got into the professional um, coaching field. And that was a big wake up call for me. Um, I had been a helper my whole life. As, it, as I look back, I didn't realize it at the time, but I'd been helping people from, um, from a, a very young age. And so it really felt like I was, I was meant to be doing this. But what I found was that I wasn't satisfied with just one modality and I kept in integrating more and more and different. Um, I'm an integrator. And so working with the the power tools of coaching was great um, but most of them are very conscious and then I learned tools of the unconscious mind and as soon as I got into the the tools like hypnotherapy some energy healing and also uh, um, NLP they work they all work with the unconscious mind I realized that I had been attracting clients even before I got this training that can specifically deal with traumatic, um, helping people through traumatic experiences. I had been attracting clients with trauma in their background for many years. And then was connected the dots and realizing that, oh, well, we are, we attract what we vibrate, um, the frequency that we're operating at. Um, and I had always suspected I had trauma in my past and um, some recovered memories confirmed that. And then went through a very traumatic divorce uh, myself. Um, I won't go into the details here, um, but and then experienced a more recent trauma just three and a half years ago when my son took his own life. Uh, my son James was 19 years old and uh, and my world was rocked. And at that point, it was because of the tools that I'd been using on myself and with others that I was able to move through that, through this this. Um, intentional post-traumatic growth process that I talk about. But also it was that was the the sort of last straw on the camel's back that said, okay, you need to be, you need to be focusing on trauma with clients and claim it and and market yourself that way. And so it was a series of events. It was no, there was no one thing, uh, but it just everything was pointing toward my arriving at this point of of helping helping people overcome and transcend their trauma. Yeah, I think that's such important work. One of the challenges with trauma is that I think we often don't recognize, like we think of a trauma as being something acute mm-hmm. and like a car accident I had knee trauma it was oh, an yeah. acute thing that happened it was visible you could see it I think one of the really challenging things especially as 
as cancer survivors and caregivers. You know, caregivers' lives don't change other than they take on this new role. They're still going to work. They are doing things that they've been doing in their normal life. Now they have this additional stress and fear for their loved one that they're caregiving for. And there's so many layers of that. And we often don't recognize that as being trauma. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Which makes it really hard to see. Yes. So, yeah. So the, what you're pointing to, Jen, is the, the trauma can occur from a, a single event. And that might be something that happens to us or something that we experience, like, like you said, an accident or a health issue. Health issue doesn't end up being one, one event oftentimes, but the right. event of finding out can be that one event. Um, but it can be a single isolated point in time or it can be chronic over time. And through that long-term period, it can be accumulating as well with the buildup of stress that, um, that just exacerbates the traumatic response. But it's important too to recognize that I, I refer to these events, whether it's a single event or multiple, as potentially traumatic events, PTEs. And because not everybody responds the same way, we each have our individual ways of perceiving our experience. So two people can be ex in the same place at the same time and experience a potentially traumatic event. And one person is set back for maybe a few hours or a few days and then recovers back to their usual self. Whereas the other person does also have that setback, but it continues and lingers. And then they have some longstanding um, effects from it that they don't seem to be able to, to get over. So it's unique to everyone as well. I think that's important for, for your listeners to know. Yeah. And that is so much in line as well with how we move through a cancer diagnosis or mm -hmm. a cancer treatment. Like every body is different. Every body has different reactions. Like we're not all cookie cutter. If we were, it would be a lot easier. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we're all different. Like I had weird and I always have weird side effects. So like my husband will always be like, just cut to the chase. What are the weirdest side effects? That's what she'll be dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just, and that can be challenging because you can be having a side effect that no one really is recognizing as a side effect. And it's like, well, we do this thing. This happens like cause effect. I think it's you. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> I think it might be the treatment causing this. Mm -hmm. Call me crazy. Um, but that very much goes along with, with what you're saying, where we mm -hmm. all kind of manifest these things differently. Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. And that's challenging. And when it comes to things like our emotional and mental health, right? We do have so much stigma around that, that then we're not asking, we're not saying, hey, hey, is anyone else feeling this way? Is anyone else dealing with this challenge? Because I'm noticing that this is really coming up for me. In some ways, I'm wondering if this is going to be a silver lining of COVID. Because with mm. the pandemic, I think that we've all kind of been collectively experiencing a trauma of sorts with socially distancing and and the world feeling a little unsafe in general. So I would I would love to know what trends you're seeing and as we're heading toward, you know, reopening and and getting, you know, kind of finding a a new normal, which cancer survivors are all too familiar with since we've kind of experienced that. And you're also in Canada. Yes. So you may be experiencing something a bit different um, from what we're experiencing here as our um, vaccination numbers are, are climbing. So I'd mm -hmm. love for you to share your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I would say there's absolutely no question that the pandemic is a potentially traumatic event. (laughs) There's no question. And it's affecting everyone in different ways, in multiple different ways. I mean, it's giving us an opportunity to experience things that are pushing us in all kinds of different directions, some quite positive, but many, many are very challenging, stressful, et cetera. And it depends on those that are still working and those that are not able to work. Um, but some working environments are just incredibly traumatic and, and not to mention home life and all of the, the, the lack of being able to do the things that keep us well, going to the gym or whatever it is that we're used to. So there's, um, there's just layer upon layer of potentially traumatic aspects to this pandemic. There's no question. Last year, uh, near the beginning of the pandemic, it was very early on in the spring, I believe, um, you know, there was talk of, of a mental health crisis was looming by, by June or, or probably just into the early summer. It was really evident um, that, it, that there was a, a significantly negative effect that was happening on our mental, on our psyche and our social um, aspects. And that's only been building. It's only been building. Even the deep introverts like myself who have loved this um, in so many ways, it is still taking its toll. Um, The lack of connection and physical touch and and being um, together with others. So that's all, you know, quite well reported. And I think most people have a handle on that. What I'm um, a little more concerned with is not just that the mental health crisis is still building, even as many countries are beginning to reopen. But I have I have this sense that the stresses, um, this is part of the, the human consciousness evolution models that I've studied, um, that what has caused humanity to um, evolve is the stressors of the environment. Right. It's forced us to be resourceful and inventiveness. And that's where, where, where our species makes these step changes when you look back in the history of our time. And, um, so the stressors of the pandemic are caught, are forcing us to our edges, to our growth edges. And it's uncomfortable as heck. (laughs) Yes, Um, it is really. And so, you know, some of us are rising to the occasion in some areas and not in others and some others aren't. So, that's that in and of itself is bringing a lot of a lot of the wounding pain and trauma from our past to the surface because the coping strategies we had are not cutting it anymore when we are at this when our threshold of stress has raised so high and in a chronic like long-term way then our coping strategies are just not doing the job that they were doing for us to get to help us deal with those old old, you know, unresolved emotional pain and trauma. And what what a lot of people I'm seeing is a lot of people are blaming that on the pandemic. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just right. they're, they're they're assigning the the cause to the pandemic. Well, yes, that might have been the 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 initiating cause, but we're going to see a huge fallout when we come out of the pandemic and and we we go back to some sort of new normal in in um, as countries reopen, where there'll be this realization of oh my gosh um, we're back to some sort of normalcy but I'm still feeling as awful as I was feeling before, so that stuff that came to the surface is not going to go away. It's asking for resolution, and so. This is my theory. My observation and theory is that the helping professionals in the world are going to be even more inundated after and as we come through the pandemic as they are already now. So this is only it's the mental health crisis is only growing. It was really interesting um, last May, June time frame, kind of early on in the pandemic, I was talking with a friend one day who is a psychologist and she her practice had been on telemedicine for many years so they were really really well positioned to continue to serve people and their people didn't really um, miss a beat but she wasn't seeing new new contacts into Mm -hmm. the practice and 
And she started looking at like the Google numbers. And there is a way that you can see like how many people, how many millions of people are Googling certain terms. And the Google numbers in May for people looking for therapists was down significantly. It was like at a five year low. Wow. And so then she she said she was like, okay, like this is it's not just our practice, like this is across the board. People aren't even thinking about looking for any kind of support. So that was just a very interesting kind of data point that that mm-hmm. came up at the time. And I love what you said about being an introvert because I think this is even like I'm an extrovert and Zoom is not working for me. Like it's not cutting it. (laughs) And I actually said I can't Zoom anymore. Like it's Mm -hmm. not a connection. It's not like it's just chaos. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not attending another networking meeting on Zoom. This is insane. Like this is not supporting me. It's making me it's making me like anxious. Mm-hmm. My husband commented a few weeks ago, like, we have a trip coming up, a family trip. And he said, oh, it'll be good. To, and he is a super introvert, super introvert. He'll mm-hmm. joke, like, if if we have plans with friends or whatever, he'll be like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> do I have to? Mm-hmm. But he was like, oh, it'll be good to go somewhere other than the office and here. And in his, like, in a, you know, quote unquote normal time, he would be like, great, I don't have to go anywhere else. <laughs> but not being able to go watch a movie or mm-hmm. like that was something we did really regularly. And even though that's not like, it's interacting with people in a way that introverts love, right? There's people mm-hmm. and you're yes. not interacting. <laughs> Exactly. Perfect. (laughs) But because of the pandemic, like there aren't even movies in, like movies haven't even been in production to be in the theaters. It's a very, there's very small Mm -hmm. numbers of things that are out. So I was like, well, we can go to a movie. (laughs) We could do that. Mm -hmm. He's like, no. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. it, it was very telling for him to say that to be like I need to go somewhere else like that's just very telling of kind of where where we are in the world and like as things are getting back to some new state I mean I hope that I hope that it is a a new normal in that we get to keep some of the things that people have benefited from and that have made people happy and and kept people employed from a distance and productive Mm -hmm. I mean I have worked from home for decades and I always loved it not everyone can do it not everybody loves it like having that choice can be my husband had never worked from home and he just happened to be in a position where he could Mm -hmm. and I think he was very surprised to find that he enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So, well, if nothing, if nothing else, the pandemic has uh, has offered us a chance to to stretch our behavioral flexibility. Right? Yes, we, we have um, been forced to be flexible and adapt and try out things that we maybe never would have tried out before. So, um, that's always a good thing. That's always a good thing because it it we're building the change muscle when we do that. Right. We're getting used to change and it's human nature. It's our reptilian brain that wants to keep the status quo. Don't change anything. Keep it stable. Um, So the more that we consciously, deliberately make changes and also the more we um, we have changes that occur um, in our world that are forced on us, um, then, you know, the better we get at change. Yes. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. So stay with us and I will be back with Sue shortly. I hope you're enjoying Unspoken Cancer Truths. 
I help people to get moving again, and sometimes you just need to switch up the approach or find a new challenge, especially when thinking about starting back after treatment or an illness. One of my goals is to help you flip the idea of exercise as something that's hard, awful, or daunting, and make it something fun, maybe even a little social. Safely, of course. The important thing is that you wanna get started and you're happy to show up for yourself and then you wanna stay in the game because it feels good to move and you had fun doing it. Ready to reimagine exercise? You can email me at jennifer at fitnessdesignsolutions.com or schedule a copy chat with me through the Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning. Now back to the show. Welcome back. I'm here with Sue Bo, and we have been talking about trauma and all things to do with trauma. So one of the things that I found really interesting when I was reading the definition of post-traumatic growth, I could really see so many cancer survivors that I've met over the years. Some of the hallmarks of post-traumatic growth are, you know, showing how trauma can be a catalyst for growth and positive changes. Some of those changes may be enhanced relationships. It may be recognizing that you want to move away from a relationship to move into this new phase of growth that you're moving into or changes in how we view ourselves. you know, really being able to embrace our strength and our wisdom and accepting our limitations. And Sue and I were laughing earlier. She talked about being a helper from way back. And I was saying how I talk so much about accepting help because so many of us are helpers, but we don't, when it comes to accepting help, we're reluctant. And there's this idea of being independent, like that fiercely independent and being able to go it alone. And, and we need help. We need to really be able to lean on people. So being able to accept our limitations and lean into that helping, accepting help from others is so huge. And kind of changes in life philosophy. Like I'm sure that there's many people out there that just got much clearer on what was important and where they wanted to spend their time. We travel a lot and people will say, oh, you travel a lot. And I always am like, yes, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know what 30 years from now holds for me. Like, I don't want to wait to do that. Like, we're able to do it. So it's something we just kind of incorporate into our life now, because that's meaningful to us. So I think really living more fully in the present is one of the hallmarks of post-traumatic growth as well. And I think that's an area that that I definitely see a lot of cancer survivors kind of leaning into. Um, but Sue, I would love for you to share kind of some of the ways that we can recognize trauma and what those unrecognized or unassociated ways that we recognize trauma might be. Well, I'll start with some of the obvious ones. Um, and you've mentioned PTSD um, earlier in, in this conversation. And many of us are familiar with, with the phenomenon of PTSD, whether we've experienced it or not. But there's the common things like having nightmares and flashbacks and being suddenly, instantly feeling like you're in that traumatic situation, even though you're in the here and now, and that traumatic situation happened years, decades ago, whenever it was. So having the, the your entire body responding as if it's happening now, those are some of the extreme signs of trauma, and they often get diagnosed as PTS or PTSD. And, and I think there's a lot of, there's also a, a tendency now to drop the D because it's not really a disorder. Um, and that's really a misnomer to use that word. It's an injury rather than a, a, a disorder. Right. But 
in any event, um, that's what we commonly think of when we when we think of PTSD. And there's complex PTSD as well, which is where you can have multiple different tra- traumatic experiences that are all compounded on each other to create um, the effects that you're feeling. But what we notice, I focus on what a person is experiencing in the present time. So we don't spend much time the person, the the client, when I'm working with a client, I don't spend a lot of time on what happened to them in the past, um, the retelling of those stories or going back and trying to find um, more details. N- none of that for my purposes and my perspective on, on transcending trauma is not useful because it can re-traumatize someone. So you don't need to re-feel it or re-experience it or rehash it in order to address it. So we focus on what's happening right now. And so the main one is always emotions, often uncomfortable, negative emotions and can be quite intense. And um, I always use the the term, um, like, are they appropriate and warranted for the current situation that you're in? And if they are, great, you're a healthy human being that's feeling your emotions in an appropriate way for whatever's happening. Yes, my dog just died this week and I'm really, really devastated. That's that's normal and healthy and we will move through. If we allow those emotions to flow, we'll move through them and, and it will get, um, you know, we'll become more accepting of that over time and it'll uh, lessen. But when it's um, inappropriate, that's a sign. There's residual in negative emotion left over that was unprocessed from the past. So that's a big one. A lot of people are carrying excess fear, excess anger, hurt, uh, sadness, and it shows up in lots of different ways. Like fear can show up as being irritable or annoyed or frustrated a lot. And it can also be the other extreme is feeling terror, like downright terror when like lightning, for example, um, a lightning storm. So you know, it, the question is, is it exaggerated or is it appropriate for the moment? And then we also look at behavior patterns. Are they healthy or are they unhealthy? Is there a behavior that you're wanting, you keep wanting to do, but you're not doing it? Or um, a behavior that you aren't doing that you want to initiate or instill, but you can't, can't seem to get like habits. We're talking about habits here, right? And some yeah. of our bad habits, we can't stop. And sometimes we have a lot of trouble implementing new habits. Well, those are usually because our behavior is driven by our of what's happening on the inside, our emotions, our values, our beliefs, and the unconscious programming, which is the strategies to accomplish things. So, you know, it's it's a lot of um, the the uh, the signs and symptoms tend to be emotions thoughts that are going on in our minds? Like, are we having a lot of negative self-talk? Are we looping through our thoughts um, in an unproductive way or a disturbing way? Is there stuff that we keep focusing on that we don't want to be that kind of thing? Um, And then, um, and that includes um, limiting beliefs, right? That are in our thought patterns and then, um, and then our behaviors. So emotions, thoughts, and behaviors are the big, the big three. Um, And just checking you know, checking in to see whether they're appropriate for the current situation or not. And if they're not, then 99% of the time, it's because of some past experience that didn't get processed, didn't get resolved, and unconscious programming was created. So our unconscious mind is is working 24 hours a day, seven days a week to look after us, protect us, right. get our needs met. And it's responsible for creating these unconscious strategies and programs and patterns because at the time they served us, it was the best way for us to get fastest, quickest, and best way for us to get our needs met. But those programs keep running as we go ahead and live our lives. And then they cause problems because we become an older, wiser, more independent and resourceful person with lots of other healthy ways to do things, but we're still doing it in that old way that was the only way we could do it in the past. So um, so that's what's causing these, these thought patterns, these behavior patterns and these um, unwanted emotions. And then there can be all kinds of physical responses and reactions as well. Co- cognitive function can be impacted from trauma, um, trouble focusing or concentration and sleep. 
there might be reckless or destructive behavior. We might be um, taking unnecessary risks, you know, things like that. And, you know, there are a few other signs. Uh, I have a little bit more information on some of the articles on my website, but there are some other signs that are a little off the beaten path, um, so to speak. Chronic pain is another one that's very much associated with with trauma, that there's um, uh, up to a 30% correlation between people who have chronic pain and having past unresolved trauma. So um, I guess I would add one more too, which is on the emotional front, not only the intense or extreme emotions, but also the um, possibility of being numb or flatlining on your emotions. Because when we experience trauma, sometimes the best defense that our unconscious mind creates is to actually suppress our, our emotions and often suppress our memories, um, which then, if they stay that way, they become repressed. And that mechanism isn't selective. So it it will repress not just our negative emotions, but also the positive ones. And so we end up um, not experiencing the, the typical highs and lows of, of emotional flexibility and variability as we go through life and feel a little bit more flatlined. It's interesting because so many of the items that you talked about in correlation to trauma are often things that show up for cancer survivors as a result of treatment, cognitive function being up there which then can impair our ability to focus. (laughs) There's a lot more diagnosis of attention deficit and things like that, that are, that are starting to happen in certain communities of cancer survivors. Sleep impairment Mm -hmm. can often be a side effect of, of treatments and chronic pain can be mm-hmm. a side effect of surgeries, which can also then trigger fear responses. So then you're in that like cycle. I was really fortunate because I had a car accident and I had knee trauma. And my while my knee is 100% functional, I have um, nerve damage and scarring. And I feel weather. And mm-hmm. so in the early days after my uh, mastectomy surgery, I, when I got stabbing pain, I could check it against my knee. And it almost always correlated with the weather. Oh, it's not fascinating. And mm-hmm. so my body just produces scar tissue. The scar tissue, you know, a, your body kind of ebbs and flows with the barometer and a healthy body that's not scarred, you don't notice it mm-hmm. because it's just these subtle like changes that happen. But then when you have an impairment, like those subtle changes are pushing against something that wasn't there. So mm-hmm. then you get discomfort or some kind of feedback. And so often I'll see in groups people saying, I had surgery X number of years ago, and why am I still having this issue? And it could just be leftover scar tissue. And if you do, if you've never had another like wound, mm-hmm. l- lucky you, like that's fantastic. If you have no other wounds to check it against, like there's nothing to check it against. So then it feeds yeah. that cycle of chronic pain what is this pain indicative of like is it benign or is it not yes absolutely yeah and I I I find it fascinating that there is such an overlap you know between the symptoms of trauma and the symptoms of cancer treatment um, or cancer cancer experience because it would probably be quite difficult to separate those two to actually pull them apart to know which symptoms are for which of those two things. Because, you know, we talk about trauma brain, there's, there's, uh, you know, affectionately referring to it as trauma brain. But you know, there's some similar um, 
similar effects in the brain that, that, you know, it affects our, our ability to focus and concentrate, but also our ability to plan depending on the degree of the trauma, the emotional trauma. So, um, you know, that all of these, all of these similarities, it would be really, I think it would be very difficult to isolate them as to what's the actual cause. Cause my guess is that most people who have cancer have experienced some, um, some trauma with it. I, that's one thing I didn't, I didn't um, frame yet on, when we were talking about the symptoms and signs. I use a much broader view of what trauma is because um, I've come to realize that even the most, um, the most common innocuous little events that happen to us in our lives, especially in childhood, um, can actually leave lasting trauma responses in the nervous system. And so that can be something as simple as being left in a crib to cry when you're a baby, which was the standard of care that was recommended by doctors when I was a baby um, in the 60s. And so that can be a traumatic experience. And then we are left with potentially abandonment wounds or beliefs around my needs are not met. It doesn't matter how loud I scream, I won't, my needs won't be met, you know, things like that. They, they stick with us. So there's, um, if anyone's interested in learning more, there's something called the ACEs study um, that's all over the internet. And you can take a little quiz um, or a little uh, assessment, self-assessment on that. But ACEs stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And they had a, a huge sample size and found all of these various common experiences that we have in childhood that contribute to long-term adverse rea- uh, reactions and, and responses in our system. So, you know, it could be anyone from having an alcohol, um, an alcoholic or a, a drug dependent parent or where there was any physical altercation in the home, you know, between parents or between the parent and child, all these things that were so very common. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because, um, you know, just being bullied in grade two for a week can be a traumatic event and leave us with lasting trauma experiences. So in all the work that I've done with, with leaders and um, healers and, and, and helping them to resolve their emotional pain, um, it can often come down to the smallest of instances that ends up being the root. And we don't always, we don't even need to know what the root is to resolve it, but that's often what comes up. Yeah. It's, interesting too because as you say like a a brief encounter as a child it can also happen as adults right we have a brief bullying we have a brief bullying encounter in the context of maybe some other trauma that's happening like maybe there's a family death like no one is at their best Mm -hmm. when dealing with a family death and then you have some circumstance that happens and that circumstance gets internalized and you don't even realize that you've been traumatized. Exactly. I recognized something similar to that a year or so ago when we had another circumstance going on and someone made a really out of character statement to me. And I was like, okay. And I thought, okay, well, that was a really weird thing for them to say. And I'm definitely not going to do that thing. (laughs) (laughs) And then like several days later, it came up again in a different context and they stated it differently. And all the light bulbs went off because I'm in this world as well, where I'm seeing these things coming up like in people's body work and movement work and those like held traumas. And I, I was like, Oh, Oh, wait, Whoa. Mm. Now I understand like that. That is your protection coming in to like this thing happened and I don't want it to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And that's another like way where if something 
super out of character comes up for someone, it's worth a little thought, like, wait a minute, that was really not like at all who that person normally would be in this situation. Something, there's something going on there. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And that's, those are the over and under reactions that I look for as well, you know? Um, but when we're in it, it's harder to see, you know, you can't see the forest for the tree when it, it, you know, if that was something said to you, it was personal, someone, you know, a family member, and it was, you know, you're in it. It's hard sometimes to take that step back and, and take the observer view to really see what's going on. But you clearly did within, you know, after it's been great. Well, and it was just such a such an odd statement. And that was one of the things that I found so interesting. I was reading an article on post-traumatic stress. And one of the behaviors that the person who had written the article was that they had this like just protective behavior. Mm-hmm. It was just like a hypervigilance mm-hmm. about surrounding and and they weren't the person who had ex- their spouse was a military member mm-hmm. who had been deployed. Yes. And mm-hmm. so the spouse who had taken on this like hyper vigilance was shocked mm. to find out <laughs> that that was actually indicative of them having experienced trauma. Yeah. During their significant other deployment. You're bang on there. And I mean, it's surprising sometimes how we can be affected by something. You would think it would be the person being deployed that's going to experience the trauma. But for sure, the definition of of trauma is a response to a deeply distressing or disturbing event. That doesn't mean it has to happen to you. You can be something you witness or is happening to someone close to you. So absolutely that happens. And, you know, you're pointing to one of the classic signs of trauma as well, that what we call the trauma response, the fight, flight, or freeze. Um, and so, you know, if if it's another way that, that people can um, check in to see if they've got trauma, if they can recognize what they're, if they have a, a, a go-to unconscious strategy or, or behavioral pattern that's that's happening when things get tough or when when stressful situations occur, do they tend to freeze up and feel like immobilized? Or do they tend to want to just get out? If you're someone that runs out of runs away from relationships, then run when they get hard or, or leaves jobs when they get difficult, you know, that kind of thing, or is moving house a lot. Or if, if your tendency is to fight, you know, there, there can be those, those trauma responses can be trapped in the system as well especially when, um, when it happened, when whatever happened, uh, whatever we experienced, we couldn't express that, that need, you know, as a child, if something's happening to us and we can't leave, but we have this need to run. Well, often I see in clients that, you know, they'll have restless leg syndrome or something where it's physically stuck in their bodies. And so, you know, that's just something to recognize. Um, you know, we all have a tendency of whether to fight, flee, or freeze. That doesn't necessarily mean we have trauma. But if it's the if it's significant enough when we're under duress, then um, that's probably a good sign. Well, and I always tell my clients here in the studio, like our movement patterns are invisible because mm-hmm. there are habits, right? Mm-hmm. Like our in some ways our emotional patterns can become invisible as well. And because there, there are habits, there are go-to, our go-to things aren't things that we think about. They're yeah. just things that we act yeah. upon. So they're invisible. But when we have conversations like this and someone hears it, then you go out and you're like, oh, wait, huh. Well, isn't that interesting? <laughs> Yes. But then we can start to look at it from more of a curious place mm-hmm. and not a judging place. Yes. Because yes. the way that we can kind of move through is when we get curious. Yep. I would also 
also say that um, with that curiosity, you have to have awareness first, yes. right? And that awareness with the, then with curiosity often simply opens up choice and you can be more consciously at choice. Um, having awareness first and then moving into curiosity with it is that it can qu- very quite easily and quickly move us into choice so that we have um, that ability to make a conscious choice in the moment because it's been the precursor was awareness. Yes. Otherwise, it, it's happening, as you said, um, automatically without uh, invisibly because it's it's part of our unconscious programming. And, um, and sometimes that's all that's needed to shift a behavior pattern that's running is to just have that awareness and then, um, with curiosity and then moving into a conscious choosing and choice. And other times it's a bit more, it might be a bit more complicated that that behavior pattern might be connected with some other, um, pieces that are anchoring it in for a bigger, you know, a bigger pattern. And then you might need to do a little bit more work, but oftentimes awareness is all you need to shift something. I love that. You are totally speaking my language. <laughs> so I know that you and I could talk all day. <laughs> the time always goes by so fast. Mm-hmm. Are there any last? So we will have a we will have some links in the show notes where you can connect with Sue um, and learn more about her work. But are there any final thoughts you would like to to leave the listeners with today? I'd love to just leave you with a, a phrase. Um, it takes courage to, to grow up and become who you really are. And um, I love this quote because I'm all about growing through our hardships, our adversities, and our traumas. And it's not easy work. Not everyone does it. In fact, most people will turn around and run the other way. And but what I know of your listeners, Jen, is that they're your survivors. You know, you're survivors and you've made it through um, all that you've made it through so far that you've got, you're brave enough to be working through the emotional traumas pieces of what you've been through as well. There's no question. So, you know, I just want to give a little, a little shout out and kudos to everyone listening that, you know, you, you are the brave ones. And if you feel that you have some emotional trauma, um, that is, uh, connected to the experience you've had with with um, cancer, then I I think you're totally up for um, working through that and transcending it as well. And I wish you all the best with it. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. It was such great information and such an important topic for people, um, both cancer survivors and humans that are have been moving through the pandemic. So thank you so much. So I'd like to invite anyone listening, if you're not already in the Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning, come on over and join us over there where we can continue the conversation. And you also have the opportunity to connect with me either through your posts or by scheduling a coffee chat. So please feel free to come join us over there. Surviving is just the beginning. You can also connect with me through the show notes and you'll be able to connect with Sue there as well. So that's our episode for this week. Thanks for listening and have a great week.